you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. Happy Improved Year. Happy Improved Year. It's kind of awkward, isn't it? A little confusing. Normally this time of year, we give a robust, robust Happy New Year, right? But it seems like most often, if we got honest, we move from one year to the next year, maybe subconsciously with the idea, not Happy New Year, rather happy, improved year. There's something in 22 that dissatisfied you. Something in 22 that was less than best. So we step into a new year, 23, with the idea, I'm going to improve on my marriage. I'm going to improve on my finances. I'm going to improve on my health. Maybe that's the reason that the average New Year's resolution lasts about 18 days. So your goals and your hopes and dreams for 23 have about 10 days left. Jesus addresses this. He was talking to the disciples because the temptation then and now is exactly the same. Somehow we think what's old can contain what's new. Somehow we think that what was old in 22, what dissatisfied me in 22, that somehow all I need to do is add a little something, improve a little bit to it in 23. He said it this way, you cannot pour new wine into old wineskins. They didn't have the nice glassware that we had today. And the temptation was to take this old wineskin that had already been used, had already been tainted, and that somehow they could take what was new, this new wine, and pour it in, and somehow the satisfaction of the new would remain. And he said, it doesn't work that way. Have you ever burnt a piece of toast? Now listen, you can take that piece of toast and you can take your knife and you can scrape all the burnt off all you want. You can take a big old hunk of butter and you can lather that burnt toast up with butter. You can take your favorite jam or jelly and put it on top of that burnt piece of toast. But when you bite into it, it's still a burnt piece of toast. That burnt piece of toast needs to be thrown away, and the new toast, a new slice of bread gets put into the toaster, and this time you don't multitask, you wait to make sure that that burnt toast does not get burnt this time. I don't want an improved 23. I want a new 23. I don't want to relive today, an hour, two hours ago when we gathered, when it was just the band and we prayed, I prayed, God, I've never been here before, and I haven't. I've never been at 1058 on January 8th, 2023. I want 
new, not improved. And this is the great hope that we have as Christ followers. To those of us who are followers of Jesus, we believe that in Christ, all is made new. When I began following Jesus, the Bible said, the old Mark has passed away. Now there is a new guy. His name is Mark. My friend, perhaps your friend as well, Kevin Sheely, he's traveled to Kentucky because his mom died this past week. But the hope that the Sheely family has is that because we are in Christ, because mom Sheely is in Christ, she has been made new. She is alive in Christ. This is the hope. And not just for heaven, I want it for us in 23. Jesus did not come. I don't know what you might think or feel about Jesus, but I will tell you this. Jesus did not come to improve your life. Sorry. He's not interested in making your marriage better, making your kids better, making your finances better. He didn't come to improve your life. He came to expose that our human lives are wrecked. They're ruined this thing called sin, you cannot improve upon it. It must be exposed and destroyed and die so that new can come from us. That this new hope and this new joy and this new way of living is not just something we read about in a book, but how we live each and every day. If you got your Bible in Mark chapter 10, the disciples are wrestling with how do you how do you how do you how do you really experience better there is a cultural way which says that you push your way to the top you 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 have a an agenda a manipulation you try to control circumstances in such a way that it's in your favor you network and you strategize and you educate and many of those things are, are fine in them themselves but what jesus wants us to see this morning is if you're looking for new it comes in a different way here check out the bible in verse 32 they were on their way up to Jerusalem. This is Jesus and his disciples. He had been doing all kinds of miracles with Jesus leading the way, and his disciples were astonished. While those who were following were afraid, you'd be afraid too if you didn't have a relationship with Jesus and you're watching all these miracles. You're kind of wondering, what in the world? Who's he? What's going, what's going on here? Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. Hey, guys, we're headed up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man, me, I'm going to be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn me to death. Uh, they will hand me over to the Gentiles. They will mock me, spit on me, flog me, and kill me. But boys, listen to me. Three days later, I'm coming alive again. Jesus' entire ministry was never about himself. Every thought, every attitude, every action, he had you and me in mind. Notice what it says in verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, it came to him. Okay, 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 we hear what you're saying. You're okay, you're like God, and we've been watching your miracles, and like you're going to get spit on, and you're going to get flogged, and you're going to die. <laughs> but, okay, okay, just, okay, hey, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. It was not their best moment. 
Okay, God, okay, God, I, I know I'm the Bible and prayer and serving. and oh, but Hey, God, I need you to do this in my business. I need you to do this with my wife, with my kids, with my neighbor, my dog, my cat. God, I got a list. I need you to do some stuff for me. This conversation continued, and if you let your eyes drop down to verse 41, you see the irritation with the other disciples. Look what it says. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. They mad. Like, what do you mean? You're asking for a raise and we don't get a raise? What do you mean? You're trying to get more time off? You get this and the guy, this, this isn't right. They watched these two as they manipulated their way. They strategized their way to try to get into a place of power. And Jesus went on to teach, that's what goes on in this culture. We have this way of we think that if you climb the corporate ladder, if you've, ne- if you've got the term boss next to your name, that somehow life is easier and better for you. If you got more money and you got a better car and more house, somehow if you can amass things for you, if you can make life all about you, if you sit in a place of power, your life will be better. He exposes it. Let your eyes drop down to verse 43. Not with you, Jesus said. Whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For, the, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And he gave his life as a ransom for many. This is Jesus. I realize some of you are still trying to figure out who Jesus is. You're not quite sure if you're going to follow him yet. My hope and my prayer today is that you would lean in and understand that the new year, the new life, the new you that you're looking for, it's found in Jesus. You know that you've been trying to improve your life, and I congratulate you for that. But it's time to move beyond just improving, making a, a bad habit just not as bad. My prayer is you would lean in and follow after Jesus. But if you've already followed Jesus, if you're like, listen, I'm a believer. Like, I've, I've raised my hand. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he was buried and he became alive again. Then what he is saying to us, if you want to be great, you be the servant. Now, moms and dads, I love you. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a dad as well, but... Hey, how often did you sit down and, and, and teach your kids how to be a servant? Well, let me ask that this way. Where in our culture do we instruct to be a servant? Is it in preschool, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, graduate, doctoral level? I've had all of that. I've never had a class on how to be the servant. I've had plenty of classes of, of listen, how, how to be intellectual and, and, and have the right education and to think and control and strategize to have the upper hand and the advantage. But what Jesus is saying to those of us who are Christ followers, he doesn't want us just to improve. He wants us to become new. This is a new way of thinking. 
This morning, I think there's, there's two new ways of thinking that will really set us up for this new year. Not improved year, a new year. If you're taking notes, why don't you write these down with me? Here's number one. We need a new, not improved, not building on what was. We need a new responsibility for my attitudes and my actions. We need a new mindset that I am responsible for my attitudes, that's how I think, and my actions, how I act. Remember James and John, they're like, yo, Jesus, we want you to do something for us. Make us number one and make us number two. And the Bible says the other ten heard that and became indignant. They are mad. They're angry. The perception is their attitudes and their actions, they're trying to get one up on us. We need to be responsible. James and John, their actions were responsible for this division that now runs through the disciples. So Jesus, he brings the boys together and says, wait, 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 guys, guys. Guys, that's how, the, that's how the world does it. Not so with you. You want to be first. You want to sit on the right and the left. You've got to be the servant of all. Now, let me be clear on this. James and John were ignorant. They were selfish. Because someone is ignorant and selfish to you or to me does not now give me the permission to be ignorant, angry, mad, or respond in an evil way back. The Bible teaches us that we don't respond evil with evil. But we must be aware and become responsible that the way we do things, how we say things, it does have an impact and influence on others. That's true in our, in our marriage. It's true as we raise our kids, how I interact with Linda. Linda and I, I remember we, we were dating. It's been a minute, way back in the... In the day, I had this random thought this morning. I, all of a sudden, I pictured Linda. She was like, uh, we were just dating, and she had this like hot pink fuchsia. fuchsia. How do you say that word? Fuchsia? Fuchsia. I don't know what it means. I just know she looked hot. And, and back then, I know that the high heels aren't as much of a thing that women, but man, she had the high heels on. She was looking Good. I had this random thought about her this morning um, that way. But, but I, I know that my actions and my attitudes, before I met Linda, I, I didn't know Christ. And, and so I had been, I had been with, with women. I was not a virgin. I remember when I started dating Linda, I, I wanted to be responsible. I, I wanted a different, I, I didn't want to improve on my life. I wanted a new life. And so, you know, we're dating and all kind of stuff. And, and you know how it is. You fall in love. And we're in our 20s. It's not like we were teenagers. We're in our 20s. And, man, I remember one time we were up in our bedroom, and we're kind of making out. And uh, I'm like, stop it. We got to stop this. We got to stop this, right? And I'm like, listen, I, um, I want us to go to our wedding night like we've never had sex. Like none. I mean, zero. And, uh, and so uh, she said, really? No, she didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted a bad <laughs> no woman control thyself <laughs> I 
And so literally for the, the next, the next um, 17 months, all I did was hold her hand. I did, not, I did not kiss Linda for the rest of our engagement time. And so when we went to our honeymoon uh, that night, it was the first time that Linda and I ever had any kind of sex together. Why do I tell you that story? Because the pressure as couples is for real. And often in a marriage, there are two things that can blow up a marriage. One is the financial stress. You've got so many bills and you've tried to spend your way into happiness and so all that pressure comes on you financially. The other is when one spouse violates the wedding vow. They're unfaithful. And today with all the things, images that you can watch online and relationships that can take place online, there's a real, there's a real pressure point. We need to be responsible for our attitudes and actions. And to all the singles in the house, what I'd say, listen, the greatest gift that Linda and I ever gave to each other was trust. Because when, when we could... When we could have had sex and nobody would have known about it, we could have spun it. We're getting married anyways. What's the piece of paper got to do with it? I said no. And let me tell you something. That was not easy because she was hot. She's still hot. But Linda Beth Gibson then and Linda Beth Cummins now knows when the pressure was on, the old boy said no to me. He'll say no to whatever girl or whatever temptation or potential moment could be that's on the outside. You want to set yourself, be responsible for your actions and your attitudes because the pain, once you get in that marriage and one of you violates, some of you know this pain, it hurts deeply. And to the one who has violated those wedding vows, you must become responsible. You need a new responsibility for your actions and your attitudes. You made that choice. You violated. Trust has been broken. But I want you to hear me clearly, particularly the person who's been offended. Because somebody you're married to has violated your trust, it does not give you now the permission to discipline them, to make it hard on them. Let me particularly speak to the women in the house. I know your heart's broken. I know what he did and the idea, and you sit and you wonder, how could he and what was he thinking? It's a problem he wasn't thinking. Let me speak to all the men in the house. If you would start thinking with your big head and not your... A lot of pain in your family wouldn't happen in your family and you could be the man of God that God wants you to be and your sons and daughters would see you as that man. But ladies, if he has violated that trust, the idea that now you're going to show up like his mama and discipline him and control him and make it hard on him and want him to crawl back and beg his way, number one, that's not biblical. Number two, you are doing as much harm to that marriage as he did in that marriage or she did in that marriage. Because making it hard on somebody 
It's not a Bible way. I am so thankful Jesus did not make it hard on me. Jesus went and paid the penalty for my sin on the cross, and he allows me to step back in as an adopted man of all the privilege and rights of being an adopted son of the Most High God. The adversary will use that attitude. And by the way, ladies, do you really want a neutered man? Do you really want to control and, and make him pay for it because what he did? Do you really want to new? I don't know any girl wakes up and says, hey, listen, I'm 18. I'm 23. I want to fall in love with a neutered man. <laughs> and you want a man who squares his shoulders back. And when the, when the challenge is on and it's hot, you say, hey, excuse me, Miss Linda. We ain't doing the wild thing right now. Cool your jets, girlfriend. You, you want someone who will do right. We need a new responsibility for our attitudes and actions when we have done the offense and when we have been offended this model is true at work my boss wasn't fair so i'm not going to do this for him or whatever we need a new responsibility for my actions notice what the bible says in first corinthians chapter 8 and 13 i'm gonna see if i can teach this to you because i know what you're thinking you're like wait a second it's not my responsibility. I shouldn't have to not do something because of what someone else. Look, look what it says in 1 Corinthians 8, 13. This might not make sense. Give me a minute to, to explain it. So if the food, the apostle says, so if the food I eat causes them to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause any of them to sin. In other words, in those days, there was this mindset that certain types of meats you weren't allowed to eat. It was cultural some of it was religious. God had made it clear that you could eat whatever you want to eat. You had that kind of liberty. You had that kind of freedom. But Paul is modeling a new responsibility for attitudes and actions. In other words, I'm free to do whatever I want to do. But because I'm in Christ, because I have a new responsibility of my own actions and attitudes, I will make a choice. I won't partake in this because I realize my attitudes and my actions have the potential to influence people. And whatever I do with my life, I want to influence people towards Christ, not away from Christ. This is tough. Because we live in America and our idea is, hey, listen, I, 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 I hear this all the time. from people. Well, pastor, I'm not my brother's keeper. The Bible says I'm not my brother's keeper. I'm not, okay, I get it. But you realize when you quote that verse, I'm not my brother's keeper, you're quoting a brother who's a murderer. And he's responding to God, hey, I'm not my brother's keeper. I'm not responding. Well, no, 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 no. We are responsible. Hear me. Christ following is not a solo sport. It's not this independent, I'm a consumer, I can do whatever I want to do. You are a part of a body. If, if one part of my body decides it's going to do whatever it wants to do, that's called sickness. The version of Christianity that we have in North America is more often marked by sickness than it is health because somehow we think that we can do our own thing, that we are independent. No, when you make a decision for Jesus, you are adopted into his family. We now become the body of Christ on this side of eternity. Hebrews 10 and 24, the Bible says, let us consider how we may spur one another on 
towards love and good deeds. In other words, it is a new responsibility for my attitudes and actions. I have the responsibility. I want to spur someone on. I want to live in a way that it encourages someone towards Christ, even if I think this is okay for my life, even if I want to partake in this. The bigger picture, the bigger cause is men and women, boys and girls, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, young and old, white, black, brown, every other color, no matter how they identify, men and women discovering hope in Jesus Christ. My actions, your actions, at least, are a reflection of what we believe to others and in many cases become an influence. The story that was on Channel 9 News, the story that Emily alluded to earlier. 748 days after the baby box was installed, there was a new responsibility for actions and attitudes in Marion County. Our, our city fathers went to Tallahassee and asked those in authority, in power, hey, would you pass a law so that we can install this baby box? It went through one session, no action. Another session, no action. Another session, no action. A new responsibility for our attitudes and actions. So they came back to Ocala and said, well, is there a law that says we can't? You understand that a firehouse is built with public funds. And so as the fire station was being built, the idea was, hey, let's, let's pass a local ordinance. A new responsibility for attitudes and actions. We want to be for life. We want a mom or a dad who's struggling not to abandon a child, but to legally surrender lovingly this child. And so this week, 748 days later, a mom or a dad, I don't know who, came to the police station, opened up the baby box, placed, I don't know if it was a boy or a girl, in and closed the door. A new responsibility for attitudes and actions. An alarm was set. First responders at that station came and opened up the box. They called the police. The rescue workers began to attend to the baby. They took the baby in the ambulance to our local hospital. Nurses and doctors began to care for that baby. The Department of Children and Family uh, Services in Florida were contacted. They came. They contacted the family who had been approved for adoption. They came, and today that baby is now being loved and cared for because there was a new responsibility for attitudes and actions. We didn't say it was someone else's problem. We said we step in. The only fire station in the state of Florida, Ocala, Florida, a new responsibility of our attitudes and our actions. This is what it means to be a Christ follower. The word Christian is dead. It means nothing in our culture. It requires no action. But the term Christ follower, it declares that I'm not a member of a denomination. I am a steward of a movement. The movement of Jesus Christ who came not to improve humanity, but came to make humanity new. The hope of the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to have a new responsibility. My attitudes and my actions. If I could, let me just give you, can I just give you one, one more new 
Here, here it is. If you want to write it down, help me God teach this. A new desire for service over status. Not, not, not improve, okay? I, I want to try to improve a little bit more. I'm, I'm talking about new desire to serve over my status. I, I'm talking about what, what happens in the unseen hours. That I'm going I'm to serve people. What would happen if we took a break from ourselves long enough to serve somebody else? Let me say, it's hardwired in you. You as a human being, I realize our culture, for the most part, says it's all about you, right? You deserve a break today. Have it your way, right? You, 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 a whole culture is all around whatever you want, how you want it, when you want it. I'm just saying out loud, you are hardwired to serve. How else do you explain what happened last Monday night in a National Football League game? I've been around the sport of football since I was six years old. 51 years. Football is a violent sport. Men are injured. There are some men who walk on the football field and never, ever walk again. The lifespan in the NFL is just a few years. But on this past Monday night, a young man, 25 years old, made a Normal football play, stood up after, and then fell to the ground. Emergency personnel began to respond for 10 minutes, giving life-saving support. The rest of the story has taken off. The National Football League decided the status of the league was second to the service of one. Even so much from my understanding, he's not yet vested for his pension, and they've already waived that. So much so that as a college student, he started a nonprofit to provide toys for children. He had about $2,500 in that account on Monday night, and I'm told now, as of this morning, it's over $9 million. We as a culture, the only way to explain what's happened since last Monday night is there's something inside the human being that we want to serve our fellow human being. It's often dormant, but occasionally something happens. I really don't know why. There's been other tragedies. There's been other life-saving efforts and other venues all of America isn't a football fan. People began to change their Twitter feed and put the blue background in the number three. Inside of us as human beings, because we have been created in God's image, God served us his son, Jesus. This is the DNA of God. And so it is normal and natural for us to lean in and serve and I'll give it this to you as far as how you do it it's not about you doing more religious things or do more husband things do more wife things do more flip the script the best way to move from improving when you do things you're trying to improve on something when you want to move into the new space you have to choose to be who you want to be. In other words, if you want to be an athlete, 
think to yourself, what does an athlete do? What does an athlete eat? What does an athlete do when it's time to go to bed? Does an athlete drink this or drink that? You are being an athlete. You go out to dinner, and all of a sudden there's fried food and all kinds of sugar foods, and, and you say, I'm, 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 I'm resisting that right now. I'm on a different diet plan. That's not what you say, because that doesn't work. You know what you say? I'm an athlete. I, I don't eat that. As a husband, when that temptation comes while you're on a business trip, and you got some girl, and she's letting it all kind of hang out, let you see everything, and you kind of like and say, excuse me, excuse me. I'm a faithful husband. I don't do that. When you're working on your taxes for 22, I'm an honest man. I live in the black, not the gray. You change your mindset. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a son. I've chosen not to do this at college because that's my dad. That's my mom. You don't do better things. You don't improve on yourself. You change your mindset and you say, this is who I am. I'm a son. If you've not yet been married, you say, listen, I'm a woman and God has a man and I'm, I'm not participating in that before marriage because I'm a woman created by God and I'm going to give a man a gift that he has no idea what's going to happen on that wedding night. Same thing for a young man. You change from doing, I'm not doing stuff, I'm doing, no, I, this is who I am and because this is who I am, this is how I live. That's true as a partner here at Church of Hope. On purpose, hope does not have a big church staff we don't have a big building all the why because it's not about paid professional clergy God has created you God has designed you everybody in this gathering has incredible gifts inside of them we are partners that's what we don't have any membership at Church of Hope membership denotes rights you can get that at the zone at the Y or some other club we are partners because we are mutually vested for the mission of partnering with people to discover in Christ we have hope. Serve your way to a better new year. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know that's what he did. Jesus, all throughout his life, a bunch of stinky, smelly disciples' feet, he, he washed them. Remember when Jesus was with the disciples? They're like, hey, how, how do we inherit the kingdom of heaven? Can you, can you kind of show us something, right? We've got to memorize more verses. We've got to do something significant for you. What's the big, you know, dog and pony show that we've got to do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? You know what he says? You know, it's, it's cray cray. He picks up a little child sets that child on his lap and he says to all these high-powered disciples who think that they got to do something grand and great for God, he says, listen, you must have the faith of this little child. So you understand, Jesus was the very first children's pastor. I love you parents, I really do. I love you grandparents. I, I get on your socials and I see all the pictures and you know, the environments and the experiences. You do such a great job with your kids. Athletically, 
academically, the way you travel, man, it's, it's, it's awesome. We believe in this environment, Bible-believing churches, the term children's ministry is broken. It's dysfunctional. And so we're in the process of reconstructing it. Not because of the Hope Kids team that's back there right now with your children or the team that will gather tonight with our teenagers. But what seems to be broken is like in every aspect of our society, like when it comes to your kids and your soccer teams, your flag football teams, going fishing, going to Disney, uh, all the fun stuff, right? We love it with our kids. You love, like we are so involved. But like the idea in the spiritual context of leaning in and helping this generation discover hope in Jesus Christ, it's kind of like, yeah, nah, someone else. We need a new responsibility in these boys' and girls' lives. And I believe in the coming weeks and months as we really learn in this space together that you're going to see the unbelievable opportunity to mentor. And parents, we're going to come alongside of you like never before and help you raise up sons and daughters to follow after Jesus. Well, you've been sitting for a while. Uh, why don't you just stand? I'm going to pray over you. Stretch your legs out just a little bit. <coughs> I don't want an improved 23. I don't want to just kind of add on to what was going on in 22. I think subconsciously, many of us, that's how we've been living, and that's why the new year quickly just becomes kind of like the old. And before you know it, you're in your 30s, and you kind of thought, wait, and then it's the 40s and your 50s. And one of the reasons some of us will get a little bit older that we're so angry and cranky is because, man, the old that we've been trying to change since our 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, it's not with us in our 60s. That's because God did not come to improve our lives. God came to make our lives new. And so in this closing prayer, there's really two in this gathering. Either A, you've never been made new in Christ for the first time. In other words, becoming born again. The Bible's language, maybe it, it seems archaic to you, but he wants us to know that, listen, you, you don't kind of improve your way in. You, you get born again. And this morning, if you've never begun a relationship, if you've not been born again, stop trying to improve your life. And in this closing prayer, pray to let Christ make you new. And then to the rest of us who are Christ followers, in this prayer, where in your life have perhaps you've not been responsible? Would you ask the Holy Spirit to show you how you need to have a new responsibility for your attitudes and your actions? It matters what we say and what we do, either as the person who's offending somebody or the person who has been offended. How we live after that moment matters greatly. And our actions and attitudes in the offenses of our humanity should lead people towards Jesus, not away. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. And then, would you be willing to pray, God, this year, elevate serving over status. 
that my sense of identity and who I am is not in what I do, but it's who I am. My friends, that's the way to have a happy new year. Father in heaven, I love you. Man, your word is so relevant. 2023, this was written thousands of years ago, but it's as if it just shows up today on the front page of the newspaper. God, I want to ask for some friends who are in this gathering, watching online, who thought they needed to improve their life. And this morning, they realize you came to give them new life. If you're here and you'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus, would you just pray, hey, Jesus, it's me. I'm done improving my life. I believe that you came to make my life new. You died on the cross. You were buried. And three days later, you became alive again. I want you to make me new, alive. And Father in heaven, all who are praying that prayer, may they sense your presence in them. May they have a new awareness that you will always be with them and when life's pressures come against them, remind them that you are for them. And then, God, I pray for all the believers. This incredible gathering of people. How I love them. They are so successful. Moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and business owners and employers and employees and politicians. So many of us. But God, show us right now those areas of our lives where we need to become responsible for our attitudes and our actions. Elevate service to a brand new level. Move us from a to-do list to be who you created us to be. And may your precious hand of favor be on each one here today as they follow you. From the tips of their toes to the top of their heads. Through the waking moment of the morning to the very last thought at night. May they have that blessed assurance that Jesus is theirs. I love you. We have no other name but to pray the name of Jesus. That we have no plan B. We have no strategy. We have no slick plan. It's just you, Jesus. And we love you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Peace.